Well, we don't use the word glory very often, do we, when we're not singing Christmas carols, but sometimes it's just the right word. This fall, I was sailing in Montana, and it was just a glorious day, and that's the only way you could say it. My wife, my son, and I had rented a boat on Flathead Lake in Montana. The sun was out, the winds were fair, and it was just glorious. We started off navigating between some islands, and in the lee of those islands, it was quiet and calm. We were warm by the sun's heat. And then we opened up onto uh, open water, and uh, the wind came funneling off the mountains of Glacier National Park and ran across the lake and accelerated and hit our boat, and, and the sail just snapped full, and we just, we just flew. And we tipped. We tipped way over. This, the boat started to heel, and uh, gear was dumping below deck onto the floor, and the winch handles were rattling uh, on board, and we were scrambling to find the high end of the boat because the low end was, uh, was uh, uh, underwater. Water was spilling into the cabin, and we were just looking for a place that was uh, flat. And I looked at my son's uh, face, and I could tell what he was thinking because before we'd left when we'd been on the dock, he had asked me a question. He said, Dad, can this boat tip over? And uh, at this point, it's a good question. I tell you that story because there's glory here tonight. Christmas Eve is a night of glory. But we don't all experience it in the same way. For some of us, the wind is calm and the seas are flat, the sun is shining, and it's a night of joy and celebration. We're with friends, we're feasting, we're with family, we're gathered in church to remember what life is all about anyways. But then there are some of us, and I think perhaps many of us, uh, who experience the night differently tonight, who are experiencing fear, frustration, failure, or feel very much alone. Our ships are going through seasons of gale winds and high waves and we're pitching and we're rolling and there are times in life just like that when we start to take on water and we wonder, does this boat tip over? But the good news tonight, Christmas Eve, is that there is one who loves us who comes to be with us. The one who made heavens and earth, the one who rules the waves, whose breath is the wind, the word of God has become flesh so that he could climb into your boat and sail with you. The question I think that God wants to put to each of us tonight is as simple as this. Beloved child, yes, that's you. Beloved child, will you let my son's glory be your glory? Before I explain that question a little bit more, would you open your Bible to John chapter 1, verses 14 through 18? If you didn't bring a Bible, grab the black book out of the rack in front of you there, please, and turn to page 862. I'd like everyone to open there because I think it's a privilege to read God's Word aloud together. Uh, if you're able, would you stand with me? Let's read John chapter 1, verses 14 through 18. This is the culmination of St. John's magisterial introduction to his gospel, an explanation of the origin of our Savior, Jesus Christ. When we're done reading, I'll say, this is the word of the Lord, so that if you believe it, you can say, thanks be to God. Listen carefully. You're reading his holy word. And the word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory 
a glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. John testified to him and cried out, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me ranks ahead of me because he was before me. From his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. The law indeed was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. It is God, the only Son, who is close to the Father's heart, who has made him known. This is the word of the Lord. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord lasts forever. Please be seated. No one has ever seen God, St. John tells us. But in verse 14, he says, we have seen his glory. What is glory? My son asked that question a second time. He said, Dad, <laughs> does this boat tip over? And it seemed like it was um, a different question that second time as he had to raise his voice to shout over the howling wind and the whistling of the stays. And I said the same thing I'd said on the dock. No, it doesn't tip over. How do you know? Well, I want you to look into the water. What do you see down there? And he said, waves. And I said, yeah, but I want you to look through the waves. What do you see? And it just so happened that with the, uh, where the sun was in the light of the boat, you could look down uh, off that high side and you could see a blue smudge that was uh, tracking with our hull through the water. And you know what it was. It was the keel. I said, that's a keel. And it's got a very heavy weight on it, heavier than anything on the, uh, above the water. It's filled with lead. And as long as that keel is hooked to this boat, this boat cannot tip over. What is glory? In the Bible, glory is the weight that holds you up when life wants to knock you over. Glory is weight that holds you up when life wants to knock you over. I say that because in the Old Testament, the Bible's word for glory simply means heavy or weighty. You could imagine how in olden times this began to mean glory or honor, but the simple word was a reference to the resources that somebody had. If somebody was wealthy, they had a lot of gold, they were heavy with gold, they were rich. Uh, they might be heavy with nobility or heavy with character. We talk this way in, in modern times as well. We might say somebody who's wealthy, she's loaded, right? And we're not talking about eggnog at that point. And we say someone is substantial uh, uh, if, they've got, uh, if they're heavy with character. Or we might say that person is impressive or he's a rock. I mean, those are our ways of talking about weight that's really respectable, that is about resources that are substantial. But this word, translated oftentimes weight or heavy, uh, also can be translated severe or hard. It can be a reference to our resources on the one hand, but also to our challenges. It is referred to in the Old Testament as uh, it refers to plagues or famines or war. Job would say, my crisis is heavier than the sands of the sea. And we talk this way too. We talk about a problem that's become a burden. Uh, we say, man, this issue is so heavy. Or we'll say, this season that I'm going through is just crushing. 
And so when you put these two meanings together, resources and challenge, you get a good idea of what the Bible is referring to when it talks about glory. Glory is having resources that are greater than the challenges. If the storm has more weight than you have deep down inside of you, it will knock you over. But if you have more weight in the depth of your being than the storm has, you will sail it out. And so the question then for me tonight is, where do I turn for glory? Do I look for glory and fame or academic credentials? College decisions are coming back now, aren't they? Do I look for glory in my wealth or my popularity, in success at work or in family? All these things are good things and they do give us a weight or a glory in our lives, but I want to tell you, someday a storm will come that's heavier than those things and we're going to need something more substantial. The good news of Christmas is that God gives us in his son Jesus Christ a new ballast. And so again, this question God asks you tonight, beloved child, will you let my son's glory be yours? Well, what is his son's glory? What's Jesus' glory? What holds him up in the storms that want to knock him down? Certainly not fame, not power, not wealth. He's in a manger. No, the glory of Jesus is love. It's the undying love of a father for an only son. St. John writes this in verse 14. He says, we have seen his glory, the glory of a father's only son. And I want to tell you, it was a glorious sail that afternoon, this fall in Montana, but it really wasn't the keel that made it glorious. It was the weight of our son. It was the fact that our son was in that boat with us on that afternoon. That's not something we could have assumed. Because just two years prior, our family sailed smack into a squall, a crisis. We weren't as healthy as a family as we thought we were, and our son was suffering, and we were losing him. And so I can speak very personally to you tonight about the weight of a father's son. Because a good father would give anything to rescue a son. A good father would give up every weight he has in his life, his reputation, his wealth, his time, his money, in order to get that son back close to the father's heart. And it was looking into the eyes of our son, seeing him eventually smile uh, in the midst of that uh, sail that really was our glory. So how does Jesus do this for us? How does Jesus make a life heavy? Well, my suggestion tonight is that when we let God love us the way God loves Jesus, our lives take on weight. We let Jesus draw us to his Father's heart, which is the greatest mass in the center of this cosmos. This divine child Jesus is born with a human beating heart so that he can represent you in God's heart. I say represent because Jesus didn't come primarily to teach you or to motivate you or to reform you, but to represent you. God gave the one he loved because he loves this world and he loves you. He loves you like his only son and with his only son. 
So you can measure the weight of your life tonight. You can measure your value, not by the height of the waves or the speed of the wind, but by the, the weight of God's love. God so loved the world, he gave this son to be born in the lowest of a state, to suffer shame and humiliation, to be betrayed and crucified on a cross. God gave his son because he loves you. This is his rescue operation to get you back to the Father's heart. And so how do you want to respond to that? John gives us a hint in verse 16 when he says, receive grace. Receive grace. From his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. Those of you who are sailors know this. Here's something about a keel. You usually don't see it. You don't. And this gets us to faith. You just have to believe it's there. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. Faith is living with what you can't see. Sometimes we don't see worthiness in our lives. We don't see belovedness in our lives. But it's below the surface. Are you willing to let God's infinite, indestructible, unshakable, undeserved love have weight in your life? Little side note. You know the Ten Commandments. The fifth one is this, honor your father and mother. I love that one as a dad. Right? You know, it's, just, it's the verbal, they're shaking their heads. Uh-uh. Uh, yeah, I do have parents too. The verbal form of the word for glory is that verb honor. And what it's really saying is, let your father and your mother have weight in your life. That's what it means to honor them. And when the Bible says glorify God, it means let God have God's weight in your life. And so John is saying, would you let the love of a father for an only son have its full weight in your life? Would you receive his grace? I tell you, this is what's getting us through as a family. I'm here tonight to tell you, my whole family was here worshiping in the first service together, and it's such a joyful night for us because God's love is holding us up as we navigate the challenges that families face. And not just us. Someone here tonight is weathering the loss of a job because God's love is the weight of your life. Someone here tonight is weathering a marriage that's just falling apart because God's love is the weight of your life. Someone here tonight is weathering a brutal addiction because God's love is the weight of your life. And these things aren't knocking you over. You're rolling, you're tossing, but you continue to sail. They say, don't tell God how big your storm is. Tell the storm how big your God is. Jesus was born, John tells us, to make God known. What a night to let Jesus make God known to you, Christmas Eve. Will you let Jesus represent God to you tonight? And will you let Jesus represent you to God in him, sin is forgiven, failures are overcome, hearts are healed, and death, death is swallowed up forever. That's weight. That's glory. You're here tonight because God wants you to measure your life not by the waves or the wind speed, but by the Father's love for an only child. Will you hear him calling you back to his heart? Beloved child, will you let my son's glory be yours? It was a glorious day sailing in Montana 
that afternoon. It was just so good to be together. But I know, and those of us who are parents, we know that we won't always be able to be together as a family. There'll be a day when our children will hoist their own sail and they'll sail off without us. Through sun and storm, the waves will come and the wind will blow, sometimes perhaps even violently so. But what I want for them is what I want for you and I pray that you can hear this tonight. And, and that is to know that we have a God who has come to live with us, who loves us more than every, any human parent ever could and who promises to be in your boat for all of eternity. Let's pray. God, we're here tonight to gather around the mystery of the incarnation with the freedom to admit that our lives are flimsy and light, insubstantial without your love. So claim us again tonight. Help us to put our weight on the weight of your promises. Let your glory be ours by faith. Rescue us in your grace. Redeem us in your love. And send us out into this world as people who know there is good news. We pray this in the name of Jesus, and we pray it for his glory. Amen.